Well, we're continuing in our all-in series, and, and, and we believe that God has big dreams for us as individuals, he has big dreams for your family. I, I believe he has big dreams for our church. I, I truly believe uh, that we stand in a crossroads in our church where we can either live God's big dream or we can, we can live for something else. And, and I got to tell you, there's not a lot of life in living for something other than God's big dream for us. I, I believe God has a big dream for Marysville Church of the Nazarene. There's, there's things he wants to do in us and through us. And, and so I think we stand at a crucial time in these next couple months and next few years as we kind of decide who we're going to be. And, and, and I believe this is a, a really important series as we decide whether we're going to go all in. Uh, and next, next month, we'll begin a series, series called Immerse, which I believe will give us some legs and some feet to, to how we can go all in. Uh, you know, it's, it's all about reaching people for Jesus. Amen? <laughs> churches are living churches as long as they are reproductive. As long as they are reaching people with the gospel message, churches have a future. When we stop reaching people with the gospel message, when people stop being saved by the ministries of the church, then I believe we cease to be viable. And so I think it's, it's crucially important that, that we uh, be concerned, that we be interested in people finding relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? <laughs> uh, that's what we're about. That's, we're, we're in the people business. We're in the kingdom business. And and so I believe this is an important series as we consider what it means to be all in. And I've invited you to, to dream big. I have this big dream of, of qualifying for the Boston Marathon, and I'm getting all sorts of encouragement for people. Ashley Flint posted on my line a picture of a shirt that said, I wanted to go jogging, but Proverbs 28.1 says the rick, wicked run when no one is chasing them. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> uh. I don't know what she's saying about me. <laughs> I know this week when I was running, I was running around a lake and there was a, a goose with goslings or baby geese, whatever you call them. And as I got closer to them, the mama geese were not real happy with me getting, and so I turned around and went the other way. So I was running from something then, I guess. Probably the fastest part of my run. And, uh, and if I invited you to dream big, and, and some of you have been sharing your big dreams, I hope you continue to do that. Uh, we want to encourage you. We want to walk with you. Um, I, I personally believe that sometimes God places these big dreams, these personal big dreams. Maybe they're not kingdom dreams. You know, there's the dreams that I want to read the Bible more. I want to pray more. I want to reach more people. And those are clearly kingdom dreams. But, but sometimes I believe God places these other dreams within us. And I believe he wants us to honor him by living towards those dreams, that he, that he wants to, to invest in us or, or have us have this childlike spirit that believes that we still can. <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the things I always appreciate about my parents. And, and, and you may disagree with them, but from their perspective and, and what they invested in us is we could do anything we wanted to do. <laughs> That, that, that there was nothing too big for us. And, and I believe God wants his children to think like that. That, that even though we may not have a lot of gifts and, and even though we may not feel like we, we have a lot to offer, God can use us in great ways. And, and so sometimes these personal dreams within us, I believe God can use to shape us, to begin to allow us to have a childlike faith again, to begin to believe that God can do big things through us. 
God has big dreams for his people. And he invites us to join him in his big dream for his people, his big mission, his, his big vision. He invites us to dream personal dreams. He, he invites us to dream uh, world, worldwide dreams, kingdom dreams. And we've been talking about it in this context. We live God's big dream when we're all in. In other words, when, when we give our entire being to God, we can live his big mission, his big vision, his big dream for our life. And the scripture we've been using is, is my life first. When, when, when I was called into the ministry, uh, when, when, when I was entirely sanctified, this was the verse that, that allowed me to understand what God was doing in my heart and doing in my life. Paul writes, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, there's a part we play in this. And the part we play is we give ourselves to God. But then there's a God part in this as well. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I, can I tell you, you can't transform your own mind, but God can transform our mind if we submit ourselves fully to him. Amen. Is that the essence of holiness, Dr. Purdue? Submission to God, obedience to God. When you are obedient to God, when you give your heart to God, he can begin to transform you from the inside out. Amen. Then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. Man, we get this so messed up. We begin to believe that by giving ourselves to God fully that we're missing out on life. But the invitation is completely different. That the invitation is give yourself to God and you'll find this good, pleasing, perfect life. So we've been talking about this in the context of three words. We've, we've talked about invited, involved, and uh, we're going to talk about invested today. Uh, when we talked about invited, we, 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 we noted that our invitation is based on our desire for something more. <laughs> In other words, you don't have to have it all together first. As a matter of fact, most of us don't. But this invitation is just simply based on wanting more. Do you want more this morning? I want more. You know, that, that, that's one of the things about getting to know God. The, the more I know God, the more I want to know God. <laughs> That the more I give to God, the more I want to give to God. The more I live in his will, the more I want to live in that will. And, and so I, I believe this invitation is an ongoing, it's a compounding invitation in that the more that you give, the more that you submit yourself to him, the more you want him. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've known Jesus my whole life. Before I knew anything else, I knew Jesus. And he's never been a disappointment to me. <laughs> and then we talked about involvement, and, and God wants us all to be involved. I believe that God has a place for everyone in this room today of involvement, a place where he wants you to plug in, where you, want to where you can connect, and where you can serve. And, and I invited you. <laughs> 
to, to, to schedule a time to talk with me. And, and if you've done that, this has been a busy week. I haven't looked at a lot of emails this week or a lot of the cards this week because I've been in district assembly. I'll be getting with you. I, I've invited you a conversation with, with me or another leader in the church where we can just talk about where you're involved, uh, how you could be involved better. That, that Is there a place that fits perfectly what you're trying to, to accomplish or have accomplished in your life? And today we're going to talk about investment. And, and, and I think when you talk about investment, you could, you could talk about commitment. Um, I, I think when you talk about investment and commitment, you can't help but talk about the cross. I think when you talk about investment, you're, you're talking about something that is deeper than just involvement. I mean, we, we can be involved in something, but not truly invested at the same time. And, and so when we talk about investment, there is this greater commitment that God is calling us to. Martina Navratilova is famous for saying, the difference between involvement and commitment is like ham and eggs. The chicken is involved, the pig is committed. <laughs> I like that quote. I think there's a lot of truth to that. God's calling us to be pigs. <laughs> I, sorry. <laughs> I, went, I'll, I'll, I didn't have that in my notes. I won't write that down and say it again. Uh, but, but God's calling us to commitment, right? We understand that. We're, 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 God's calling us to commitment. And before he calls us to commitment, God is committed to us. And so we're talking about investment. You, you guys... Yeah, we all understand investment. Investment's something that we value. When we invest in something, we, we understand or we believe that, that what we commit will return some sort of value. Uh, you know, I, I have baseball cards in my basement that are worth literally dozens of dollars. Um, <laughs> I should have sold them 30 years ago, trust me. Now they're not worth near as much. But, but we all have things we invest in. Who, who, invest, who has baseball cards? I'm just curious. Okay, what, what about stamps? Anybody collect stamps? No stamps? Oh, got some stamps. Any coins? You guys are afraid that I'm gonna come rob your house, aren't you? We invest in things we think will have value that we'll, we'll get a benefit from. When we invest in something, there is this ideal that there'll be a return. So, so we invest in stocks, we, we invest in bonds, we, we, we invest in different things that we believe will return some sort of value. And, and Jesus calls us to investment. And when Jesus is calling us to investment, I think what he's wanting us to understand is that what we invest in the kingdom, what we invest in him, what we give to him, he will return with greater value. You know, there, there is this ideal that, that we lose ourselves in him. And, 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 and I don't want you to, to, to somehow believe that I'm preaching some prosperity gospel of some type. I'm not, but, but, what I, but my understanding of what Jesus is calling us to is to invest ourselves in him because he is the only thing that matters. And at the end of our life, and, and I believe in the course of our life, in our investment in Jesus, we will be reaping benefits that are eternal that we will not reap otherwise. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. 
But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Think about what he's saying there. You know, think about the things that you're living for, the things that you're investing your life in. And the truth is, even as I stand before you and preach, God can convict me of things in my life that I spend far too much time, far too much attention, that I give far too much money to that doesn't lead to eternal life, that doesn't lead to investment in Jesus. Jesus uses this ideal of bearing a cross or carrying a cross. And and, and I always wonder, what did the disciples hear when Jesus talked about the cross? You know, we have this this ability to look back and and see the span of Jesus' ministry. And the disciples didn't have that when they were hearing these words. And when Jesus is talking about the cross to the disciples, this is some future event. Do you you think it was a a period of shock? Do you you think it it was so shocking they didn't even hear it? You think it went over their heads? Sometimes I wonder what we think of when we hear bear our cross, carry our cross. Craig Keener writes in his commentary to Matthew, the cross is central to Jesus' mission and the gospel mission is incomplete without it. In other words, folks, the cross defines the mission of Jesus and it defines our mission as well. The the cross is central to who we are. The cross defines the investment that Jesus calls us to make. Several years ago, I I had the the privilege of preaching a Good Friday service, a community Good Friday service. And they did it. They they decided it should be me in a real spiritual way. I was the newest member of the community uh, that was a pastor it was the equivalent of casting lots, I think. <laughs> and, and I preached about being people of the cross. That, that as, as followers of Jesus, that, that kingdom people, we are defined by the image of the cross, not, not just because of the image and, and not just because of what Jesus did. And to invest in the kingdom is to be people of the cross. You're thankful for the cross this morning, say amen. We sang about the cross quite a bit this morning. I'm thankful for the cross. And when we say we're people of the cross, I think there is this ideal that that we are in this kingdom because of the cross. But for Jesus dying in my place, I would still be bound in my sins. And so to say that I am a person of the cross is to say that I have received the grace of God poured out through Jesus Christ on that cross on a Friday and I am a beneficiary of the cross. I am a person of the cross. And if you're a believer this morning, you are a person of the cross. You have received the benefit of what Jesus did on our behalf. That's a good thing to be thankful for. 
It's a good thing to be identified with. And, you know, it's why we hang crosses in our sanctuaries. It's, it's why the image is there. It reminds us that we're not saved on our own righteousness. There's no reason to boast. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ poured out on that cross. I don't know, maybe this morning you've never got that. You know, we, we talk about these things in the church and, 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 and we preachers sometimes just assume, well, you're here on Sunday morning and, and you've got that major point, but maybe not. Maybe the Spirit's speaking to you and, and maybe you've tried to do this on your own and maybe you're trusting in a faith that grandma or grandpa or mom or dad had or, or your, your spouse had or, or, or maybe you're, you're trusting in somehow through your mind you're going to work these things out. Those who come to God come to him one way and it is through Jesus Christ hanging on a cross. It is by faith and grace alone you've been saved. There's no other way that you can come to God but through faith and grace. And so the invitation this morning is simple. It's simply to say, God, I repent that I've done this on my own, that I've not trusted you. And I, I place my faith fully in Jesus. And Lord, I, I vow to take my own cross up and follow you and learn from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's a benefit, so we're people of the cross. But, but, but to be people of the cross means more than just we've received the benefit of the cross. To invest in the kingdom is to be people of the cross. And, and the cross is not just the benefit of the, the believer, but it also informs how we do life. And, and In other words, if we are going to be people of the cross, we receive the grace given on the cross we also live the life demanded by the cross. Bonhoeffer writes that true discipleship is adherence to the person of Jesus and therefore submission to the law of Christ, which is the law of the cross. In other words, if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have to submit ourselves to the law of the cross. Paul writes that to the Jews, this ideal of the cross is a stumbling block. And N.T. Wright in his, his, his book writes, the symbolic meaning of the cross for the Romans was this. We Romans run this place. And if you get in our way, we'll obliterate you. Crucifixion meant that the kingdom hadn't come, not that it had. Crucifixion of a would-be Messiah meant that he wasn't the Messiah, not that he was. When Jesus was crucified, every single disciple knew what it meant. We backed the wrong horse. The game is over. So, so the Jews, they had this ideal that Jesus was this conquering Messiah. And, and for the Romans to crucify Jesus meant that he couldn't be Messiah. You know, to, to, to steal Luther's phrase, there, there could not be a crucified God. 
this is nonsense. That, that God in the world would, would come for sacrifice and self-giving could not be. Can I tell you? Sometimes it's hard to make sense out of life. Amen? But if Jesus came and suffered and fulfilled his God's plan, his Father's plan, that means that sometimes we have to come and suffer to fulfill God's plan as well. Amen. That, 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 this, this Christian life, when we talk about this good and perfect will of God, it's not all sunshine and candy bars. Amen? That, that sometimes to follow God means we have to let go of what the world says, what people says success is, and grab hold of what God's calling us to do. We have to let go of what everyone else tells us is important and grab hold of what God says is important. This unexpected move, this, this Savior, this God on a cross means that we have to let go of our images of success and power and live God's way. Now to the Romans, he says it's foolishness because to the Romans, what, what God would mean and, and God coming in the world, number one, God would never come into the world. That, that God would never inhabit a physical being. That's foolishness, that's craziness. And not only that, if Jesus was truth, truth always wins. Reason always wins. And to die on the cross, man, to the Romans, that our wisdom is greater than your wisdom. So God calls us of people, as people of the cross to let go of all these images and to submit ourselves to the cross, believing that it's through the cross that we find life. What's it mean to bear our cross? It's bearing the cross. Sometimes when we use that phrase, we think about handling or having bad things in our life and just dealing with them. Uh, so, you know, my, you're, you're, the cross you have to bear is your boss's bad, bad breath or something like that. You know, we, we use those kind of imagery, but, but it's more than that. Uh, you know, bearing our cross is not simply about going through bad things that happen. To bear our cross is to let go of our dreams in honor of God's dream for our life. We just came from district assembly and, and uh, our missionaries were um, uh, Jim and Kathy Radcliffe, of course, Wyatt's married to Priscilla their daughter, and so we've gotten to know him a little bit over the years, and, and, and Jim is a tremendous doctor. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's a good doctor, and, you know, an Ohio State graduate, and, uh, you know, studied at Riverside Hospital. You know, Dr. Radcliffe could have made hundreds of thousands of dollars practicing medicine, in Columbus, Ohio. But I had no trouble finding occupation and making all the money he needed as a medical doctor here. 
that God called him to the mission field. And they've established this hospital. And as he shared his story, we, Dr. Radcliffe's going to be here on October 7th as our faith promise speaker. You want to come out and hear him. As God used them, and God's still using him. He's, he's retired now from the mission field, which means he has to work when he comes home. <laughs> and he's working at a hospital up by Mount Vernon, and, and he's doing the same things that he did on the mission field. He, he prays with people <laughs> in his office before he does anything as far as treatment. And then their oldest son, Ben, once again, an Ohio State graduate, trained at Riverside Hospital. Uh, Dr. Radcliffe shared that the doctors at Riverside were basically begging him to stay and, and train in a, a specialty and stay with their group. But Ben didn't. Ben returned to Papua New Guinea to continue to run the hospital there. That's what it means to bear our cross. Now, now not all of us are called to be missionaries in Papua New Guinea or Africa. I believe all of us are called to be missionaries, but you may be called to be a missionary in Marysville. You know, it's, it's, it's garden prayers. It's the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus says, not my will, but your will. Not my dream, but your dream. Not my plans, but your plans. Not my mission, but your mission. God, I will let go of what I want so that I can live what you want. To, to me, it's the essence of sanctification. It's the essence of having the mind of Jesus. It's the essence of total commitment. It is the essence of investment in the kingdom. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, it's not losing your life. It's finding your life. We have two options. We can spend our lives or invest our lives. We can spend our lives or invest our lives. Let me ask you, are you spending or investing? <laughs> We know what spending is, right? If you know what spending is, look at your spouse and say amen, okay? Because I know you want to. You know, so spending is, you know, Terry and I, you know, sometimes we just spend. And so we go out and eat and have good times, and, and that money goes to nothing, right? <laughs> nothing wrong with eating out. Or we can invest. And we can do that with our lives. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. Now, I believe Jesus is talking about heaven or hell decisions, don't you? I believe though when we talk about Heaven and hell, and, and we still believe in heaven and hell, right? We, we still believe that our lives matter for something, that, that we are investing towards something, that the decisions we make today matter for eternity. Amen? I, I happen to believe that these things begin a lot earlier than we think. 
that, that there's people who are living in the kingdom and experiencing bits and pieces of heaven even now. And there's people who are rejecting the kingdom that are living in hell even now to begin now and extend to eternity. And our goal as a church, as people of God, as kingdom people, is to rescue people from the pit of hell and place them in the path of life. When we fully invest in God, we find real life here and then. Now, I'm going to kind of change gears here just a little bit, but really not. Um, I'm going to talk about money. Ushers, lock the doors. I'm going to talk about money and your time. See, man, oh, he's had this great message about the cross, and then he's going to start talking about tithing and serving and giving, and oh, how do we get from the cross to that? Oftentimes, where we spend our time and where we spend our money shows us where our heart is. You know, Jesus talks about money all the time. Why do you think Jesus talks about money? Because money is that visible expression of what we think matters. How we spend our money tells us. How we spend our time tells us what we think matters. I try not to be a, a, a guilt pastor as much as possible. If, if there's going to be guilt, I want it to come from God. <laughs> Let me ask you, you know, when I talk about reading the Bible sometimes and, and for, you know, I've always went through the Bible. I've always read my Bible, but for whatever reason, God's just made me, I mean, I've got a hunger for it and, and I don't know what's going on. Um, you should say, man, that your pastor has a hunger for the Bible more than ever. I mean, I, I'm already, I mean, I'm going to be through the Old Testament three times this year and the New Testament probably close to three times and the Gospels, I, I think I'm going to end up six to eight times through the Gospels. And I, you know, I just can't put it down. And, um, and then we talk, I talk about that and people will look at me like I'm crazy. At times they do. I mean, I, I, you know, and maybe it's they're looking at me like I'm crazy for other reasons. I don't know. But what's more important, the Word of God or another episode of The Office? I don't know how you folks are, but I don't, I don't enjoy too many things on TV anymore. I mean, I sound like an old, uh, old, well, whatever. I watch the same things over and over. <laughs> uh, you know, so if I, I'll watch 15 minutes, that's probably something I've watched before because I just have very little interest, unless it's a documentary. And, and so what's more important? And we spend, I mean, calculate the amount of time you spend doing other things. And, and could you be? Maybe using that time in the Word of God? Tithing. Tithing is 10% of my earnings to build the kingdom. I unashamedly believe in tithing. I, I have tithed from before I was a pastor. But when I was a layman, I tithed. I believe in tithing. And I want you to know as a pastor, 
I still practice tithing. We still give. I believe tithing builds the church and builds the kingdom. I truly believe that, that, it, that if, if everyone in our church would, would become hungry for tithing, God's kingdom would be built in unbelievable ways. I, I believe sometimes, I believe tithing will lead to lost souls finding Jesus Christ. I believe that. And it benefits us in every way. I'm always amazed as, as we think about this. And, and, and I've thought about like this, that, that somehow that, that in tithing, you're, you're giving away. And, and, and there is an ideal of giving away, but you're giving to the body that you're a part of. That, that somehow that there is in this, this sharing, this giving, this tithing, that this investment together, that God can do a greater thing, a greater work that will benefit us all and grow his kingdom. I've read this, someone else says this, and it's not my quote, but, but I, I, I love it. It says, tithing is what God wants for me, not from me. Tithing builds our faith. Tithing builds the kingdom. Tithing sets us free from the tyranny of consumerism. It allows us to begin letting go of resources and trusting God to, to, to help us with the rest. I believe in tithing. It's interesting, in, in, our, in our district book, I know you guys never do anything like this, but I was reading the district book while the reports were going on. Um, that's right. They don't have bookstores in, in the district assemblies anymore for pastors to kill their time. So, so I was reading through the book, and, 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 and the recommendation for giving, uh, the district recommends, among other things, tithing, faith promise, and building. That, that, that on, our, on my giving slip every week, there is tithing, faith promise, and building. That, that, that somehow through those three avenues, God can do some great things. And, and as we consider all that's going on through the worldwide Church of the Nazarene, that your faith promise, that your missions giving supports, God is doing great things. As, as we close all in next week, there'll be a financial component. I, I, I'm, I'm enthused not just for the financial component because there's, there's other components as well. We're talking about setting goals for reaching people for Jesus. We're talking about increasing prayer ministries. We're, we're talking about increasing visitation ministry. We're talking about increasing ministry across the board. But there's going to be a financial component. Ryan and Mara Castle are, are, are lay leaders of that and and the question is, does God need our money? <laughs> God needs us. And oftentimes, he need us, needs us to give our money so that the money will let go of us. <laughs> it's a question I've asked before, but do you possess your possessions or does your possessions possess you? <laughs> Pastor, why, why is this important? What? The problem is, folks, that we live towards this lifestyle and God is calling us to let go of that and live towards him. Do you still love me? 
One of you do, that's good. Tithing and time. God, we need you. God needs you. The kingdom needs you. Paul writes this in Romans. It's, it's interesting. I, you know, I guess I'd, I'd never caught it, but it's Romans 12, right after the verses that I talked about that, uh, about, that we've used in the course of this as living sacrifices. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with somber judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we are all who are, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So Paul's saying, okay, give your bodies as living sacrifices, which is the only reasonable thing you can do. And don't be conformed to this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, this work of the Holy Spirit within you. And then you'll be able to live the good and the pleasing and the perfect will of God. And you live that good and perfect and pleasing will of God in the midst of a community of believers, a church, where we live for the benefit of the kingdom and the benefit of each other, where we give and we serve and we love and we're involved and we're invested in God right here. The pastor, why do you have to ruin this by talking about money and time? It's because it's where we live. So where are you investing your life? I thought it'd be good to, to kind of close and, and Bob, I'm going to throw something at you. Are you ready? Pastor Bob, instead of closing in prayer, can you lead us with the doxology as we close today? Do you know it? Okay, okay. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. We're going we're gonna to pray together. Romans 12, 1 through 2. And um, I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you a question. And uh, I want you to consider this and let the Spirit speak to you. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Have you offered all of yourself to God? Have you offered God your time, your money, your talents? Or are there things you're holding back? Talk to him for a minute and let him speak to you. Father, help me. Help me not to hold anything back from you. Lord, I, I don't want to serve and give and go and do 
in a halfway manner. I want to be completely sold out for you. So Lord, I, I, I ask you to help me to consider those things, those tangible things that have been placed in my life, those resources of time and talent and money. Am I using them in the manner that you want me to use them? Lord, help me not to hoard anything that you've given to me, but help me to freely give and let go. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What's forming the pattern of your life? Lord, as I stand before these people, I realize that we have all sorts of pressures in our life. We have peer pressure. We have pressure from media. We have pressure from family. Lord, we have pressure all around us to live in a certain way. You're inviting us to something bigger and better. I'm reminded of the, the words of body politics that says that, that we are invited to live in a way contrary to the world's way as a witness to the world. That, that we're not called to this ordinary life, but we're called to this extraordinary life of holiness, which is different than what others choose. And Lord, in living this way, we not only find real life, but we bring glory to our Father in heaven. So Lord, help us to consider what's shaping our lives, what's influencing the way we live. One final question. Could your time, money, resources be keeping you from fully experiencing God? Lord, help us not to hold on to anything that you want us to let go of. Lord, I, I, I thank you for this church. I, I thank you for everyone here and Lord, their faithfulness. I think sometimes it comes across, Lord, as we preach that, that no one's faithful, but the truth is so many are faithful and I'm thankful for them. Lord, I, even those that are struggling, Lord, I'm thankful they're here and they're walking through these things with us. Lord, I realize my faith was not built in a moment, but you're still working on me to make me what you want me to be. So help us to have patience with one another. Help us to listen to you. And Lord, help us to give you glory with the way we live our lives. Lord, we pray for all the requests of the church. Lord, I particularly lift up Terry's Aunt Betty, who's in the hospital, and pray that you'll be with her. Help each one in this room, Lord, just to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.